The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary and is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners and friends. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff, and I'm your host for the podcast, also Director of Advancement and Admissions here at the school. And I have with me, joining by Zoom, Dr. John Payne. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Zach. Dr. Payne is the organizing pastor of Christ Church Presbyterian PCA in Charleston, South Carolina. Previously, he served for 10 years as a senior pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church PCA in Douglasville, Georgia. He serves as a trustee on the boards of the Banner of Truth Trust, Reformation to Germany, and our sister seminary in Manchester, England, Westminster Presbyterian Theological Seminary. He is series co-editor of and contributor to the Lectio Continua Expository Commentary Series on the New Testament, published by Reformation Heritage Books. And he's also the author or editor of several books dealing with Reformed worship and historical theology. In fact, his latest book is called A Faith Worth Defending, The Synod of Dort's Enduring Heritage. This is the second volume of essays in a trilogy on the three forms of unity. And in fact, copies of this book will be distributed at a conference, which we'll be talking about later on today on the podcast. And today he is speaking with me primarily in his capacity as the convener of the Gospel Reformation Network and organizer of the GRN's upcoming O Church Arise conference. The GRN, or Gospel Reformation Network, exists to cultivate healthy Reformed churches in the Presbyterian Church in America. For more information about the GRN, I would refer our listeners to their website, gospelreformation.net, and also to an interview I conducted in May 2017 with Dr. Payne's fellow council members, Dr. Richard D. Phillips and Mr. Melton Duncan of the Second Presbyterian Church of Greenville, in which they introduced the history, the aims, the activities of the GRN. That interview is available on iTunes, Sermon Audio, Spotify, other streaming services. It's episode number 140 of Confessing Our Hope, but we will be going over some uh, just high-level overview of the GRN today to get all of our listeners up to speed. John, before we dive into a discussion focused on the O Church Arise Conference, can you give us a brief overview of the Gospel Reformation Network and its work today? Yes, I would be glad to. And before I do, Zach, um, I had the privilege of being, as you know, at the uh, Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary inauguration for uh, Dr. Jonathan Master. And uh, we are so encouraged about his leadership there and uh, so thankful to be working with Greenville Seminary uh, as a partner for this up and coming conference and with the GRN. I do want to mention that the GRN started back in 2012. Uh, We had a little conference in Atlanta, a few uh, men, you know, we call ourselves a network and that's exactly what we are. Uh, We're a network of PCA uh, elders who have sort of banded together to bring some encouragement to the PCA. And in particular, when it started, many of us were concerned about a trend that we saw developing within the PCA Um, which we all believed uh, uh, had uh, antinomian um, influence. And there was some teaching going on in the PCA that was not teaching uh, a a biblical and confessional view of sanctification. Uh, There was a a, a disregard for the third use of the law. Uh, There was a misunderstanding uh, about various aspects of the doctrine of sanctification. So we really began to start teaching and writing on sanctification, 
uh, to help our denomination to embrace uh, what it has taken vows to embrace as it concerns uh, our, our biblical and confessional view of the doctrine of sanctification. Uh, for, for several years, we, uh, you know, we're producing articles and pamphlets and having some events, luncheons at, at the, uh, the General Assembly of the PCA. And it was a few years ago that I came to the uh, council and encouraged them uh, that we need to speak to more than just sanctification, that really uh, there's a place for us to uh, speak into the church on a, a number of issues that are facing the, the, the broader evangelical church as well as the Reformed church, and in particular the PCA, uh, that we could uh, encourage young ministers. Um, we could encourage those who are laboring in ministry. I remember one year we had our focus on uh, the piety of the pastor. I mean, how, how, who doesn't need to hear teaching and encouragement on that, right? And so we have had a, a number of different themes and, 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 and focuses over the years. And um, now, of course, we are uh, dealing with a lot of interesting things that have crept up, emerged within the PCA. And uh, perhaps we'll get to talk about some of those things uh, in this, this podcast interview. But that's really what the GRN is all about. We're a network, network of ministers uh, providing resources, um, uh, organizing events that's just encouraging the PCA to be uh, faithful to the scriptures, true to, true to the Reformed faith, and obedient to the Great Commission. Really, what I see the GRN as doing over these past few years is I've been observing, kind of from the outside, as a non-ordained candidate for ministry in the PCA, is uh, I see the GRN serving in an advocacy role. They're advocating for our advocate in heaven, as it were, uh, championing the cause of Christ in the PCA, and, and I'm so appreciative of it. Um, two things that I didn't hear you mention, but I do just want to bring up very briefly, would be the a Time to Stand conference. I think it was two years ago now at General Assembly in Dallas, and that, that to me was a bit of a watershed moment where you really ratcheted up um, the activity of the GRN, at least surrounding General Assembly, and, and that went so well. And, and I think in a similar spirit this year, we're going to be uh, hosting or putting on the O Church Arise Conference. And like you said, together, Greenville Seminary, among other institutions, will be co-sponsoring that with the GRN or sponsoring the GRN in it. Another thing, though, is this a Company of Pastors initiative, which I don't remember if, um, if Mr. Duncan and Dr. Phillips were able to unpack that a whole lot almost three years ago at this point, but would you want to just comment briefly on the companies of pastors? Yes, and Zach, I would like to mention that all of the video uh, from the Time to Stand conference is on our website, and that conference was uh, essentially speaking uh, about the topic of side B gay celibate Christianity and the unbiblical nature of revoice theology. And so uh, I would like to direct your listeners there to our website if they didn't see those uh, lectures or if they didn't know that they were available to pass on to their congregations. Those are all available on our website. Yes, the Company of Pastors, which is incidentally uh, Jason Halopoulos, which led that initiative in the GRN for several years, he'll be speaking on this uh, subject in our conference coming up in May. And uh, the Company of Pastors really, it, it comes out of the idea, um, the concept comes from 16th century uh, Geneva. Uh, Calvin would gather together with uh, regional pastors 
and they would uh, preach, they would comment on each other's sermons, they would encourage one another, they would pray for one another. And uh, listen, pastors are isolated and lonely and struggling, particularly in the combative uh, year of 2020, where a pastor not only has to be a pastor, but now a health expert, uh, a political scientist, you know, go, we could go on and on. And everybody's looking to the pastor to give them the word. And then when he gives the words, uh, they often don't like it. And there's been a lot of division within churches. And so I've seen a lot of friends and uh, acquaintances in ministry have a really difficult time. And the Calvin's, the, the, the company of pastors, um, the GRN company of pastors is really an effort to encourage men to spend time together on a regular basis, encouraging one another, praying for one another, reading through books together, uh, and just it's just a, a way to uh, spur one another on in ministry and to support one another in ministry. A lot of guys feel like they're on an island, they're alone, and uh, there's nothing more dangerous for a minister than to feel isolated and alone in ministry. And so uh, we encourage those who are listening who, who are not in a group like that um, to let us know, and we could, we could put them in a current group, or if they have a group they'd like to form to become an official GRN company of pastors, we would, uh, we would love for you to do that. And just to clarify, at this point, it is restricted to PCA teaching elders, correct? It is. Yeah. So um, if you're not in the PCA and you're listening to this and you think, wow, that sounds great. I wish I had something like that. Go go for it. You know, g- gather a company of pastors in your area. If there are any like-minded churches uh, across denominations or within your presbytery or within your denomination, I think that uh, what the GRN has done is a great model, not just for PCA ministers, but for reform ministers of all types as we seek to emulate those uh, the best of the best in church history, including the company of pastors in Geneva. Moving on, John, I suspect that many of our listeners have seen announcements by email and social media, at least I hope so, <laughs> about the O Church Arise Conference, which the GRN's hosting this May in Birmingham, Alabama. We've, we've already hit on a couple themes here, like uh, Jason Halopoulos uh, going to be addressing the, the group there about the companies of pastors. But what can you tell us about the overall aims of the conference? What, and what guided the selection of speakers? What kinds of topics will the speakers be addressing? The conference is really meant to communicate a kind of no-nonsense, warm-hearted, confessional Presbyterianism. We believe as a GRN there are a lot of people that want that. And we also believe as the GRN that there are churches and pastors departing from that within the PCA. And so we wanted to have a conference that clearly communicated, once again, warm-hearted, reformed confessional Presbyterianism that reinforces uh, all of our distinctives um, in the GRN, which are, and some of you may uh, have seen these uh, in the past, but uh, biblical fidelity and confessional integrity, gospel-driven and Christ-exalting ministry, earnest prayer and expository preaching, intentional evangelism and personal discipleship, godly leadership, and Presbyterian polity, reformed worship, and vibrant community, missional clarity, and church multiplication. And so these distinctives uh, that we have set forth uh, in our organization that we believe really does represent 
uh, Westminster confessional Presbyterianism. We want to reinforce these things uh, in, in all of our events, and, and in particular this one, uh, where we are entitling it, O Church, uh, Arise, a passionate plea for biblical and confessional integrity. And, and so we have various uh, lectures, Zach, um, David Strain, uh, the pastor of First Pres Jackson, uh, one of our council members, will be uh, speaking on uh, confessional integrity in the PCA. Uh, why, why confessions? Uh, why are they important? Why should they be followed? Uh, uh, why are uh, why ought we to keep our vows uh, to our confession within the denomination? And so he's going to be touching on a very important uh, topic. Uh, we're also going to hear from a guest minister who's going to be with us, uh, Joel Beakey. Uh, Joel is a dear friend uh, to, to, to many of us, and um, I've asked him to speak on the Puritans and the old paths of Christian piety. Uh, now, tell me that uh, that lecture title doesn't doesn't. Uh, gets you excited, especially from uh, Doctor Beaky. That'll be great. Yes, that, that's right up his wheelhouse. Um, and so, uh, then we—I uh, mentioned before that uh, Reverend Jason Halopoulos, also a GRN Council member, will be speaking on Calvin's Company of Pastors: Lessons on Ministerial Fellowship from 16th Century Geneva. Um, David McWilliams, uh, Dr. David McWilliams, a PCA minister uh, from Florida, is going to be speaking on Reformed doxology, worship according to Scripture. And that uh, promises really, to be fantastic. To our listeners who aren't aware, Dr. McWilliams is a trustee on the Board of Trustees for Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. He has taught in the past at the seminary level for Westminster when they had a, when Westminster had a campus in Dallas, Texas. Uh, many years ago, and he is a warm-hearted, um, confessional um, pastor and scholar, and, and I, I love spending time with Dr. McWilliams. I'm looking forward to, to sitting under his teaching at this conference. Yes, indeed, and this will be the first time David has uh, spoken for us at any of our events, and so we're so glad to have him. Um, I'll be speaking on uh, Wednesday evening, uh, May the 5th, uh, where, where all these lectures were taking place. I've just mentioned on May the 5th. Uh, uh, my lecture title is um, A Faith Worth Fighting For, uh, Reformed Orthodoxy, Cultural Revolutions, and the Future of the PCA. And so um, looking forward to uh, preparing that message. And then Harry Reader, uh, truly a, a father uh, to many of us, is speaking on a very important topic, Christ's Church on mission, on message, and in ministry. Uh, Harry's going to remind us that when we change the mission of the church from what we have clearly set forth in Matthew 28, uh, then uh, consequently the message of the church will also change, and that's what we're seeing happening today. On uh, Thursday, uh, we have a wonderful speaker coming. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name is Kevin DeYoung. Uh, he's written a few books. Uh, he's done some <laughs> blogging over the years. No and, kidding. Uh, he's going to be speaking on a wonderful top topic called The Glory of Plotting. Uh, some of you may have seen, uh, some of the listeners may have seen uh, his article on that subject in, with Ligonier a few years ago. And it's a wonderful topic reminding pastors uh, not to get caught up in the celebrityism of uh, pastoring or trying to have the quick growth sort of nickels and noses focus in ministry, but to 
rejoice in and focus upon and glory in the plodding along of faithful biblical ministry week after week, month after month, year after year, and just being faithful. Um, and I think we're going to hear something wonderful from Kevin on that subject. And then finally, um, Fred Greco, uh, whom we all love, uh, he's going to speak on rediscovering the genius of biblical Presbyterianism. He is an expert on Presbyterian polity, and uh, many will have uh, heard him uh, on the microphone uh, numerous times, making sure the assembly is working properly. And he's going to give us a helpful uh lecture on Presbyterianism. We will end with a with a panel discussion on some of the current issues facing the PCA. And so uh, I'll just tell all of our listeners, this is going to be an electric time of fellowship. Um, there, are, there are already lots of people registering, and um, it's going to fill up, and we're, we're excited, and we hope that you'll join us. Yeah, and I, I just add this. I go to a lot of conferences to represent Greenville Seminary. We, we host conferences here at the school every spring, um, as all of our listeners know. And it's very rare that I see a conference set aside seasons of prayer in the midst of its itinerary. And on Wednesday afternoon, there will be a time of, of orchestrated prayer there for the attendees of course you know there's a jam-packed schedule of speaking engagements but um but this is this is an important aspect if not even a central aspect of any work of revitalization and reformation in the church is seeking the lord's favor his grace his face his presence in um in these things and the cultivation of piety and the the pursuit of biblical and confessional fidelity is a subtitle hints at and so I think that this is not just going to be a, a, a speaker fest, but rather it's really going to be a sweet time of warm-hearted fellowship among brothers. And, and as Dr. Payne mentioned, it's Wednesday, May 5th, Thursday, May 6th. So just by the schedule alone, you could tell that it's, it's really targeting uh, teaching elders and, and, and men who are available in the middle of the week to come out. However, it's not restricted to that. Ruling elders are welcome to come. Seminary students are welcome to come, encouraged to come. In fact, there are special discounts for seminary students, and there are scholarships available. We'll get into more information about the logistical details at the end of the interview. But, John, I think you've given us a great uh, overview of the conference. It's not quite as laser-focused as the Time to Stand conference on one particular hot-button issue, but rather it's it's, it's running the gamut and seeking really to be a resource uh, for all manner of, of just cultivation of piety and biblical reformation in the church. One thing that we didn't tackle yet is the venue, which I think is significant. The conference is being hosted by Briarwood Presbyterian Church, which is the place where that initial convocation of sessions took place that resulted in the formation of the PCA in 1973, or I guess technically the National Presbyterian Church, which then became the PCA after a cease and desist order from some PCUSA church in D.C. Is there any particular significance attached to the selection of the venue for this conference? Yes, uh, there, there certainly is. Um, Briarwood Presbyterian Church is perhaps not just a flagship church in the PCA, but the flagship church of the PCA. And Briarwood is a, a beloved congregation by large sways of the PCA. And 
there have been times, of course, where uh, the GRN has been um, unfairly characterized as kind of hardcore right-wing um, TR, you know, the, the, T, the TR label uh, that's placed on, on uh, the GRN, and that's just simply not the case. Um, and hosting this at Briarwood is communicating that that we are not uh, this hardcore, narrow-minded, angry organization. In fact, anyone who has been to our events, anyone who actually spends time on our website, anyone who has seen the lectures and the quality that has been produced both um, in our articles and in our conferences and at our luncheons, which always are sold out with over 300 teaching and ruling elders, every general assembly. Um, the last thing that you're going to see are people with scowls and, uh, you know, being uh, pernickety Presbyterians, you know, um, there's what you're going to see when you come to these events is a lot of joy, a lot of love, and quite frankly, a lot of concern for a denomination that we love. And, um, so to have it from the Briarwood pulpit is to communicate um, that the very foundation upon which the PCA was established is that which we believe we are fighting for. Uh, the, the, the motto, you know, of the PCA, uh, faithful to the scriptures, true to the Reformed faith, obedient to the Great Commission, that is what Briarwood stands for. That's what our churches stand for, to carry out the mission of the church, to proclaim faithfully the message of Christ and the gospel, and, uh, and to carry out the ministry uh, and the ordinary means of grace in the way that the apostles did in the first century. That is the message of faithful Westminster Reformed Presbyterianism, and that, that's what we stand for, and that's what we're trying to communicate through this conference and through all the events and articles that we uh, that we set forth, and so yeah, it, it does have something. It, it is important to us. Briarwood has been so hospitable and so encouraging. Their session is totally on board with the mission of the GRN. They promote the GRN. So this this idea that um, you know we we are kind of a negative postured organization that's highly critical and uh it's just not the case and anybody who actually takes time to listen to us and to read our stuff um they'll know i mean it, do we do are things ever clunky do we ever say something that we wish we could take back from time to time well of course i mean anybody who's in ministry anybody who's teaching and preaching and doing podcasts and whatever is is certainly uh, going to regret um, a, a, a phrase or a word here and there. However, the general pattern of the ministry of the GRN has been one of on positive footing with love. We want to be in conversation and we want to honor the Lord. And so, yeah, we're very excited about having this event at Briarwood. And again, Harry and the session have been so accommodating and, and uh, we're looking forward to a great conference. Please, please join us for that. Thanks, John. That's that's really helpful, and I think that it's not just a matter of imaging, but it really is just being true to who the GRN is, as you as you've put it. Now, related to that, 
we've already mentioned that Greenville Seminary is going to be sponsoring the conference. Who else is going to be sponsoring this conference? We've got a lot of wonderful organizations, historic, um, established, reformed institutions that are behind uh, the work of the GRN. Um, Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia is uh, supporting the work financially and prayerfully. Uh, we have Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary that is supporting the work uh, prayerfully and, and financially. Uh, we have also received a, a wonderful grant from a, a Christian grant organization that is fully behind uh, the work of uh, the GRN. Uh, Midway Presbyterian Church in, uh, in Dallas, Georgia, uh, uh, Reverend David Hall, they are giving money towards scholarships for the conference. And so we are uh, very encouraged about that. Of course, Briarwood is behind it and uh, supporting us with the venue and, and in other ways. Ligonier Ministries, you may have heard of them. Have you heard of Ligonier Ministries, Zach? I was just there last week. <laughs> Ligonier Ministry, our good friends, have, have always been in support of and behind the Gospel Reformation Network. And uh, Chris Larson, the president, is a friend of the GRN, and uh, he just texted me yesterday and said that they are going to provide uh, for free to everyone who attends a copy of John Calvin's The Necessity of Reforming the Church, uh, a, a book that if you have not read, you must repent and buy it and read it now, or at least wait till you get it in May. Uh, as you walk in the door, it'll be handed to you, and uh, we're encouraged about that. You will also receive a copy of John Owen's uh, Communion with God or Glory of Christ, one of the two. I think it's Glory of Christ. And uh, Banner of Truth is giving us a great rebate on that, a great, um, not rebate, but discount. And then also uh, Faith Worth Defending from Reformation Heritage Books is also going to be handed out, uh, essays on the Synod of Dort. And so a lot of, a lot of free handouts, uh, a lot of folks coming to visit. Uh, Birmingham Theological Seminary will also uh, be with us there, and um, you'll be able to to meet and speak with them. And there'll be other organizations that are that are there with us. We're thankful for Reformation Heritage Books bringing a, a a wonderful, beautiful book table as well. I'll tell you what: if you've never been to a conference with uh, Steve Rankema manning the RHB book table, then you have been missing out. He he does an excellent job, and um, always a great, carefully curated selection, and um, and just really barn burning discounts. I, I've I always feel it in my wallet every time I go to a conference <laughs> where RHB is present because I end up buying more books than, than I should. But it's, uh, you know, as, as pastors, uh, as Dr. Shaw said to us at orientation here when he was still on faculty at Greenville before he went down to RBC, you are entering into a reading profession. If you don't like to read, if you can't read, if it's painful to read, you know, you have to get over that if you're going to be a pastor. It's kind of like being a lawyer. You're going to be reading a lot. There's no way around it. It's part of what you do and who you are. No amount of podcast listening uh, is going to be able to replace good, solid reading. So all of that is great. Um, how can other churches, individuals, and like-minded organizations support these efforts by the GRN? Do they just contact you through the website, or, or, or what do they do? Yes, if... Uh Individuals, churches, organizations want to support uh, the Gospel Reformation Network and our efforts, uh, then you can reach out through our website, uh, and um, one of our staff will uh, will be in contact with you. Uh, all giving uh, is sent to 
the address of the Second Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina, 105 River Street, uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Um, but again, you can get that information from um, our folks on the website, and we'd be glad to, to, to talk with you about that. Great. Thanks, John. Um, moving on, over the last couple of years, I want to kind of broaden out our conversation for whatever time we have left. Over the last couple of years, the church's mission, and you talked about missional clarity in Dr. Reeder's talk that's going to be coming in May, the church's mission and how social justice fits into the church's mission in particular has been hotly debated in the evangelical world. There's no denying that. Um, I don't think that's a controversial statement at all. Based on what I can tell, the differences in approaching this issue are really dividing even the PCA. And I've been shocked by this at every level. I've heard anecdotes not just from presbyteries and ob the obvious display of this at General Assembly and in our agencies and boards and committees, but I've heard anecdotes from local congregations where this is really coming to a head and maybe it manifested itself with responses to the pandemic, but it was certainly percolating and bursting out even before uh, that hit the fan. So especially concerning denominational cooperation and collaboration, I expect that this expanding gulf between brothers is going to make it more difficult to work together in church planting, in missions, uh, here at home and abroad. Is there anything we can do to close that gap, to close that gap and to maintain faithfulness to Christ and the Great Commission together? Well, you answered your own question with that last statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> what's what's going what's gonna to bring us together is to get back to the Great Commission. Um, this past Lord's Day, uh, Zach, I preached my uh, third sermon from Romans 1, 8 through 15, focusing in on the mission of the church and what it was that Paul and his fellow apostles were doing. When we go to the book of Acts, we see a model for carrying out the mission of the church. What is it that they were doing? They were following Christ's very clear mandate in Matthew 28, to make disciples, uh, to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching all that Christ commanded, and doing this with the knowledge that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ, and that he will be with them as they as they carry this out. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. The culture is going to be against the gospel. Remember where Paul was ministering in Rome. This was pre-Christian Rome. Uh, this is pre-Constantinian Rome, where the culture was pagan, where sexuality was completely confused, where there was persecution uh, on every level, and uh, where Christians under Emperor Nero were were lit on fire uh, for Nero's garden parties, where Christians were thrown uh, to the lions in, in the Colosseum. I mean, this was where Christians were living out their faith, right, in this context. What do we do in our day? Well, we often make deals with the culture. We make deals with pagan ideologies. We make deals with sociologists and uh, we believe uh, the insidious lies of critical theory, uh, critical race theory, critical queer theory, uh, 
critical gender theory and all the other critical theories, rather than say no to those ideologies and yes to the clear teaching of scripture, we adopt or accommodate uh, those ideologies so as to be more effective in our mission of the church. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We do not we do not echo the word of the culture back to the culture so that then we can somehow uh, have the good favor of the culture to reach the culture. That the is right a lie. to speak. Yes. So the answer, the biggest answer to our problems in the PCA as it concerns embracing the unbiblical notions of, of social justice and critical theory uh, is to get back to what the apostles were doing. They went into towns, they went into synagogues in the towns, they went into town halls like the uh, Hall of Tyrannus, they went to Mars Hill, they went into the marketplaces, and they proclaimed the unsearchable riches of Christ. They proclaimed the true gospel, which they took heat for doing that, but they did it. And they pointed out idolatry. They pointed people to, to the crucified and risen Christ. And then when people were converted, they formed churches and they planted churches. And then they would come back around later and strengthen those churches. And that's how the, ch the church grew in the early um, century, in the first century. And so... Again, this idea that we need to make friends with the culture and all of the ideologies in order to reach them is a nonsense. I believe, as all Presbyterians should, that God is drawing to himself the elect from the four corners of the world. The Spirit of God is using the gospel of God to reach the elect of God. The elect of God, by God's sovereign grace, they are going to respond to the faithful preaching of the gospel. It is our duty to preach that gospel faithfully and to uh, lead them to Christ and then to gather them and to make disciples, lifelong disciples, in the context of a local church and the means of grace. And, and that's really the message of the GRN is, listen, we're not advocating for some kind of narrow-minded, angry Presbyterianism as sometimes we are painted as doing. Again, people that say that have no idea exactly what we're doing and don't pay attention to what we're doing. Um, I've talked to a, a number of people, for instance, uh, over the last year, that when I challenged them on why they would be sympathetic towards revoice theology, and uh, I ask, have you watched the revoice videos? Have you read the revoice material? They say, well, no, not really. So what we are seeing here is a polarized culture. And then because the, the, the a lot of the PCA wants to, to kind of reflect a lot of the cultural um, uh, ideology, then that, that brings that kind of conflict and division within the church. And people are, are actually in conflict, Zach, over things that they don't even know about. So I have a lot of progressive friends that don't really know much about Revoice, but they support the whole idea of Revoice. It's extraordinary to me. I, I really, I can't get over it. Yeah, it's, um, it is pretty stunning to lend support to something you don't know anything about. I mean, if, if social media has taught reflective people anything, it's that don't like or share before you have a handle on what's actually being said. You know, We really do need to exercise uh, one critical thing, and that is critical thinking and reading abilities just to, to, to cut through the fog. You know, I, 
like you said, I answered my own question by inserting the word great commission. I think it, it's, it's worthwhile to read what Christ says to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In 2020 and 2021, our congregation seemed to be facing uniquely global pressures to abandon, to minimize, or otherwise to dilute the discipleship mandate Christ has given to his church through its apostolic leadership here in Matthew 28. Yet, Christ's words ring out. They ring out with authority over us. He alone reigns supreme as head of the church. And if he directs us to make disciples, as you've been saying, and as the scripture clearly shows us, then that is what we should do no matter what the obstacles or opposition we may face from circumstances beyond our control. No matter what the world thinks of us, we need to go about that work faithfully plodding along in obedience to Christ as true in 2021 as it was in 1921, 1621, or 121. And Christ's words ring in our hearts with a beautiful tone of comfort and assurance because he's with us. The selfsame Savior who translated us out of darkness and into his marvelous light has guaranteed the success of our efforts, however opposed or stilted they may seem in our limited views. And I think that is the key to bridging this gulf. You know, we all are failing in different ways to do this because we're imperfect. But if we turn to the words of Christ and commit ourselves to those words in humble reliance on his grace, uh, working in us by his spirit, um, then I think that the, the gulf can be bridged. But if we don't do that, if we're obstinate and just hard-hearted against Christ's words here, not the GRN's words, not even the confession's words, but Christ's words, then, um, then there's not going to be any bridging of that. And, and that's what actually brings me to my next question, John. And, and I don't want to be negative. I want to be positive. But in Acts 15.39, we have that famous incident where Paul and Barnabas, they part ways in pursuit of God-glorifying ministry, both of them differing over the matter of whether or not to invite John Mark in an upcoming missionary journey. And, you know, through the course of biblical revelation, we're pleased to see that, that Paul actually later on will regard uh, John Mark as invaluable to the ministry. There's reconciliation that takes place. But would it be appropriate to relate the current divisions in the PCA on matters of principle, uh, particularly about what it means to keep the Great Commission and philosophy of ministry? Would it be appropriate to relate those divisions to this incident in Acts? I've heard people do that. I kind of want to know what your take is. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I think without a lot of the detail, uh, you know, related to that that division, um, it's hard to to answer that question. Quite frankly, I mean, you know, are are there times when brothers in Christ need to divide this side of heaven in order to stay true to their convictions? Well, the answer is yes. We have denominations. We have denominations. We, we, you know, I have dear, godly, committed friends who are laboring in the Episcopal Church. They're still there fighting, having a witness for Christ within a hostile kind of environment. I have friends that are in the Church of Scotland. I have, you know, that are that are doing the same. Um, and, uh, and then I have, of course, uh, many dear, godly, 
Baptist friends uh, who are laboring. And this side of heaven, so long as our view of our children, our, our view of uh, God's covenant, our, our view of the continuity of the Old and New Testaments as it concerns the sign and seal of the covenant is different, why we will not be able to be in the same church. I, I uh, On Sunday morning, uh, we had, uh, of course, the preaching of the word, we had a baptism, and we also had the Lord's Supper all in the morning service. And uh, we even kept it to an hour and a half. So it was amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, but it was glorious. And I would never in a million years want to remove or downplay or marginalize our confessional view of baptism in order to somehow have um, more so-called unity this side of heaven. I'm, I'm unified with my Baptist brothers. I love them. Uh, many of them are, uh, most of them are better Christians than I am, but but we we treasure our doctrine of baptism. So relate that to current the current PCA. If there are men who really do believe it is the best thing to repent of whiteness in worship services, if there are men who really do believe that it's uh, important that we make uh, social justice the driving force of our churches, if uh, we really do believe uh, if there are those who really do believe that side B gay celibate Christianity has a place in the PCA and must be encouraged, um, then there are going to be clear convictional differences between men and the PCA. And it's hard to imagine how the PCA could continue the way it's going now um, apart from division. So I, I hope that that helps to unpack that a little bit. I, there, there's no one, no one that I know, um, either on the more progressive side of the PCA or the conservative, is jumping at the bit to form something new, to do something different. Everyone I've spoken to is grieved that we've come to a place in the PCA where there is such deep division. Um, however, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all need to ask ourselves, what is it do we that, that we believe? And what do we believe the confession teaches about these things? Um, we don't want to be more narrow than our confession. And we don't want to be more broad than our confession, right? Uh, we just want to be confessional. But some of these issues about human sexuality, about um, uh, the Imago Dei, about uh, issues uh, that are plaguing the church, uh, that are connected to, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the social justice issues. These are these are massively important issues, and if we can't come to solid agreement on them, then it's hard to imagine how we could all be together long term. I think that's a really good thought to kind of close that discussion on, and we can move on to just one more thing that I, I want to make sure we get to, and that is how do we sign up for the O Church Arise Conference. We've talked, there are scholarships available, there are discounts, heavy discounts for seminary students. There's gonna be a ton of giveaways and books. Um, uh, we've made 
specific and I say we because I'm helping in the in the background with some of the organization in case listeners are wondering why I keep on saying we 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 um, but we've made hotel arrangements there in Birmingham where we, we're getting um, you know discounted rates from hotels all that information is at gospelreformation.net slash events um, but uh, do you have anything to add in terms of signing up for the conference and participating in what promises to be a really edifying and glorious event well, just one thing, Zach, um, we do want everyone to come. Uh, we want everyone to come and to be a part of this. If you can be there in person, it's going to be uh, a, an, an embodied, uh, you know, experience. Um, it's it's going to be impossible to have the same experience um, through the Internet than it will be to be there in person. And so if you can get there, take the time off, come and be there, it's going to be um, a wonderful time of fellowship. There's going to be uh, part, a part of the registration fee. In fact, a large part of the registration fee are just meals, which we are providing. Uh, so there'll be meal times where all of us together will be enjoying meals in between the sessions. So it really will, will be a kind of day and a half retreat uh, for all of those that, that come and uh, participate. There will be seasons of prayer. You know, that's that's going to be difficult to do, of course, if you're just online. Um, but uh, if you're not able to come, and we know that many will not be able to come, we know that there are some that will be in high-risk categories for travel and and uh, with the, 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 the pandemic. And so we do offer a, a very reduced rate uh, to register for the virtual uh, side of the conference. And it's all going to be very professionally done. Uh, and also we're encouraging churches uh, together uh, to to do a virtual conference. If they're uh, not able to come and if there are those who would organize it uh, for just $100, so essentially for just four individual fees for the virtual conference, um, that's all you'd have to pay for your whole church. So you could have 30 people show up to your church to watch it for only $100. And so we're, we're encouraging churches to think out of the box and to have a, a, a virtual conference at your church. Set up a screen. We're going to do that at our church. Set up a screen. Have your meals together when we're having our meals together. Have your times of prayer together and discussion when we're having our prayer times and discussion. And then um, watch the lectures. And so to do it virtually and make it an event in your church. You know, at this point, we have three churches that have signed up to do that and 22 individuals who signed up to do the live stream. And I expect that number to grow quite a bit as we approach May 5th. And I'm really pleased at this. So far, we've had over 100 people already in the short time we've had registration open. Over 100 people have signed up to be there with us in person. And that doesn't include us. I don't think uh, I don't think that includes internal registrants at this point. And so this this is going to be. Um, this is going to be, dare I say, a big deal. I, I'm looking forward to it, John, and, and I appreciate you taking the time this morning to come onto the, onto the Confessing Our Hope podcast to share a bit about the GRN, about this conference, about some of the pressing issues, the, the issues of principle and really the theological issues that are at play in the PCA today and across the evangelical world. I think this conversation has a lot of relevance to um, all of my listenership. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. Well, it's been a joy, Zach. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. To help ensure that we can continue to produce content from a Reformed and Confessional Presbyterian perspective, please consider making a gift of support in any amount at gpts.edu donate. For more information about Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, please visit gpts.edu.